0: Imagine you're watching an episode from Downton Abbey. Now I don't know if you've watched that before or whether you hate it or whether you love it. But just imagine where there's upstairs you've got all the the, the I don't know what you call them, rich people, the, the upper class. And down you've got down in the kitchen you've got the servants scurrying around doing their work. And <clears throat> One day there's a a famous church leader comes. He might be the Archbishop of York. Uh, Let's imagine he's a good gospel man a hundred years ago. And Daisy from down in the kitchen, instead of being the cook's assistant, she's up. She manages to get into the big room where he's talking. And Mrs. Pat Moore, the cook, is scurrying away as she does. She's in a fluster most days and when there's pressure on she's even more in a fluster and she's trying to juggle all the things in the kitchen to prepare an 11 course meal and where's Daisy her assistant she's up listening she's not working she's leaving it all to her she sends a message up to the footman tell Daisy to come down and help me Daisy pays no attention then she sends messages to, to Mr Carson in charge of all the staff, the household staff, but she doesn't pay any attention to him. Eventually, she stomps up the stairs and she comes into the room and she interrupts everything and she says to the Archbishop, I'm slaving away down there. Can you tell her to come down and help me out? We can, we can just imagine. What might the Archbishop have said? What did Jesus say to Martha in a very similar situation or closer to real life today imagine you're having a very busy day you're doing lots of things for different people you've got lots of pressures on it's not necessarily preparing food it's running in the car it's going to work it's all kinds of things and you just don't feel as though you've got enough time you're just rushed off your feet and other people seem to have time to spend with the Lord and talk about what they've learned from Scripture. But you're just too busy and you think, why don't they stop with it and just help me? That was a situation that Martha faced when Jesus was teaching in her home. And Mary was listening, her sister Mary was listening at Jesus' feet. The title in our series, Following Jesus This Morning, is that we need to spend time with Jesus, just like Mary did. But Martha was too busy. She was distracted with much serving, Luke tells us in Luke 10.40. It's interesting that word, much serving, that the ESV has, the, the New Living Translation sort of doesn't focus on the same word, but gives the same message. That same word appears later on When Jesus says Martha, Martha You're anxious and troubled about many things That word much Is the same word in Greek as many And it's as if Jesus is saying Martha, you've got, you're concerned about too many things Seems as if she was going a bit overboard And was not doing quite what was appropriate For the occasion Imagine if you're a teenager, for some of us that might be a wee while ago, (laughs) but it's always embarrassing when you bring, or at least when your children bring a friend home, they don't want to be embarrassed by you uh, as a parent trying to be too keen to make a good impression with their friends. Um, Imagine your son or daughter is going out and their friend is come to pick them up and they're just getting ready and you ask, do you need something to eat before you go? Do you want But we bite, just a snack to keep you going? And your daughter says, you know, I was about to say no, but your the friend says, aye, that would be great. And then you go out to the kitchen, but then they're waiting for you and they're waiting for you and the daughter's getting more embarrassed because she can hear the rattle of cupboards, she can hear the pots going on in the cooker. Instead of making just a wee quick sandwich, you're making a big meal for them and it's just too much. It's just not appropriate for the occasion. Well, there might be something of that in what Martha was doing here as well. She might have been trying to make too much of an impression... In fact, in verse 42, the word Korea literally means necessary. One thing is necessary, Jesus says, as he, if he puts it. And that's implying almost that, listen, Martha, a lot of what you're doing is unnecessary. She was distracted. Now, if you say somebody is distracted today, it <laughs> doesn't mean what the Bible says by distracted. Um people need a wee bit more help than just a few extra hands in the kitchen if they're a bit distracted. But Martha was distracted in the sense of being too busy to actually focus on what Jesus was saying. This word, actually it only appears once in the New Testament, once in the Bible, and it's here. And it's a compound word from being, which means to be pulled away. Literally it means to be pulled away Your attention is being pulled away. Martha was distracted. Her attention was not on Jesus. What she was doing in the kitchen was pulling her away from being able to give her attention to the Lord. It almost seems as though Martha could have done something simple and just, I mean, sometimes all you need is your stomach filled, not a elaborate meal and that she might have been able to pay attention to the Lord even as she was doing it sometimes instead of keeping one ear or one eye on the things of God we give all our attention to the things that we're doing I sometimes wonder when we're having our fellowship meal once a month once a month and some of the women are going into the kitchen and they're putting a few things on so we don't have to wait too long. Are they able to keep one ear on the <laughs> what's coming across? Or are they so distracted that it doesn't matter what's being said <laughs> out there? Maybe we should wait a while so that they don't get too distracted. Maybe if they do their serving later, maybe it's okay for us to wait. So they're not too distracted But Martha has chosen to be distracted. She has allowed herself to be distracted. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus, up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. When we're busy doing things for the Lord and spending, instead of spending time with him, we can very easily fall into self-pity. We can be very easily tempted to think that he doesn't care about what I'm doing. Nobody cares about what I'm doing. Like Martha, do you not care? But he does care. And he understands and he cares more for us than we realize. He cares and he wants to enable us He wants us to have time with him. He wants us to to delight in him. And when we're focused on him, as Paul says in Philippians 4, I've learned the secret of living in every situation for I I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul didn't say, I'm too busy and Christ doesn't care. He's not helping me. He has learned. And it's not a case of just You hear it, you do it. It's a case of having to learn situation after situation, failure after failure sometimes. We have to learn in every situation that we can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. Now it doesn't always come naturally to us. We might learn to do it in one situation but not another. And then we have to learn in this situation to fix our eyes upon Jesus But Jesus then responds to us with love and care. He says, my dear Martha, 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 those are such affectionate words. Jesus is not just a a great teacher. He's not just a great master who has come. And some people who are great at their subject, some people who are very famous, they have no time for people. Unless, unless you're really up there, somebody who they have to look up to or somebody who's at a level with them, they're not interested in you. A lot of academics are not interested in anybody other than themselves and boosting their reputation. A lot of leaders, they haven't got time for the ordinary person. But Jesus... Thankfully some leaders do Some academics do Some some Christian leaders Like Jesus Have time for the individual Martha, Martha My dear Martha He cares about her And his very words Bring out his heart of care for her It's not as though He was ignoring her And just letting her slave away And just giving her a nod later And say thanks He cared for her, but it was her who had distanced herself from him, not him who had distanced himself from her. You're worried and upset over all these details, but there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. You're worried and upset over all these details, or you're anxious and troubled about many things, He doesn't just launch straight into saying there's only one thing worth being concerned about and Mary has chosen the better. He actually affirms, Martha, you're worried and upset. You're troubled with many things. He he, he lets her know that he understands where she's coming from. And that is so important when we're trying to help others that we let them know that yes, we understand, we appreciate we understand what you're going through and it's only then sometimes when people understand and acknowledge the stresses that they're under that they're actually willing to listen to what comes next but the solution that she was expecting isn't what she gets. The solution she was expecting was that Jesus sort of corrects himself and says actually, yeah, we've been focused too much on this teaching. We need to get you help in the kitchen. Let's put the teaching on hold for a minute and let's get the kitchen sorted. Let's get this meal really going. But Jesus doesn't do that. Instead of him changing his priorities to suit Martha, he says, Martha, you have to reorientate Yourself to fit around me. You have to get your priorities right in terms of your relationship with me, not try and get me to do what you want. It's interesting. I had a number of conversations this last week with people, no one here I should have, um, who are facing stressful situations. And they says to me, that others should be paying more attention to the things that they're going through. And essentially the thing that kept coming through again and again and again in a couple of different conversations was that people thought that others should be putting them first. They're not paying attention to me. They're not supporting me. And it came across, they, they didn't see it, at least in one case I pointed it out, but they didn't really see it, that what they were doing was being self-centred and wanting others to do what they wanted. Pay attention to me, help me out more so there'll be less stress on me. Sometimes our stresses are outside of our control. Situations come upon us that we're responsible for and we need to do what we can Apart from those situations where stresses are legitimate and we need to work through them, sometimes we stress ourselves out by bringing things upon ourselves that aren't necessary. There's many situations where people end up in far more stress than they ought to. If there's a wedding coming up, the mother, the bride, very often wants to change things you need to have this or no you can't do that like that it needs to be like that we need to get this as well, have you thought of this you need this, come on and what started off as a simple wedding celebration ends up being an elaborate thing that is just so stressful to organise and the joy is just sucked out of it what starts off as a desire to Maybe do good for their daughter ends up becoming a, a showcase for pride. I want to see. I want people to see how well we can do a wedding. You know, it, we got to be careful sometimes that pride is not what is behind a lot of the things we do. The question is, who is first, us or God? can't remember who I was saying it to this last week again but as I was growing up my experience of religion was not something that was doctrinal or put down on paper but the general feel of religion was just live your life the world is your oyster be as worldly, do as much as you can get what you can and when you When you struggle, when you get stuck, call on God and he'll help your situation out. God was there to help you, to help me, to help us get our priorities, to get what we want in life. A bit like Martha. She's doing what she wants and when she struggles, God, you need to help me get this sorted, get this moved on. It's a bit like expecting God to be like the genie in the lamp, Aladdin's lamp whenever we want something sorted let's call on God to get what we want done but when we actually think of it who are we to treat God as our servant who are we to treat Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth the creator of us the one who is holy and we just snap our fingers and Pray a prayer, and God. We don't worship at times. We we, our lives can sometimes be just doing what we want, and we only pray when something goes wrong. We ought instead to serve Him. We ought instead of the. the instead of the sun going around the earth, the earth goes around the sun. Instead of. God revolving around our lives our lives ought to revolve around him we ought to serve him with love with awe, with respect even with fear yet in his love and his compassion he comes to us gently and sensitively and in the middle of our stress he speaks kindly to us like he did to Martha and he gently tells us listen we've got things upside down back to front In Psalm 37, we read, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord, and wait patiently for him to act. The first of those verses we quoted, Psalm 37, verse 4. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Instead of taking delight in what our agenda is, and asking God to back it up, if we take delight in him and the things of God, well, we know he's going to back that up. If we take delight in him, if we set our heart's desires on the things of God, then he will give us our heart's desires because the things of God are the things that he wants to see happen. Mary did this. Mary listened to Jesus. Looks very clear. Mary just didn't happen to be sitting on the floor or sitting where she was and then Jesus came and happened to be close to her. Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. That's a deliberate act of going to be where the Lord was, going to be close to him. The obvious parallel for us today is to make sure that we have time to listen to what God says as we read his word on a daily basis as we have our personal devotions, as we make time on a Sunday morning to come out and worship him. These things don't happen by accident. <clears throat> Just like Mary probably had to weave her way through the, the others, the men and the women who were there, to make sure and that she had a space right up the front at Jesus' feet. So too we have to <clears throat> weave our way through the the stresses, the time-consuming things. <coughs> we have to push all the things out of the way so time with Jesus has a priority in our lives. And Luke tells us that it's not just what Jesus said. He doesn't refer to what she sat at the feet of Jesus. She sat at the feet of the Lord Jesus is presented here as the Lord, the one who is teaching. Teachers would often have a band of disciples. Back then, there weren't any such things as universities as we know them today. Instead, a very renowned teacher would have a a group of disciples who would follow him, who would go around with him, who would listen to him, who would learn from, from him. It would be a on-the-job training. It would be a dialogue in various situations. They would go from one place to another, go, come across different situations, and these situations would result in conversations. It would be a very privileged thing for somebody to be at, uh, a disciple of Plato or Aristotle or Josephus or some other teacher, some other philosopher. To be part of the disciples, to be part of that group where Mary had the opportunity, the privilege, was allowed to sit at the feet of Jesus. anyone who really wanted to could sit at the feet of Jesus. That was a great privilege. And it was not just that this happened to somebody, that this happened to a woman as well. It's in instructive, and it, it helps us to understand that with Jesus, there weren't any male-female barriers. With some of the other philosophers and teachers, they would, it, it was hard to get... the into that privileged group mothers would probably try and get their sons in that group but with Jesus anyone who wanted to could be a disciple and unlike other teachers where it was only males who were allowed to be disciples with Jesus it was females as well the early church was liberating for women Sometimes Christianity today is portrayed as not been very woman-friendly, but the early church certainly was. Jesus certainly was. The later church may have become very male-oriented and over-the-top at times, but Jesus wasn't. In terms of coming to Jesus, in terms of ministering, they're man and woman equally accepted, equally used by God. We have different roles in the home and in church at times, but those are minor differences. And certainly when it comes to personally coming to Jesus, there is no difference, perfect equality. It's probably worth noting as well that Mary, when she was coming to Jesus, and not getting focused on all the busyness that Martha was focused on, that that approach of Mary was... Uh, was the support that, used, that was used by lots of people to, to go away from the world and the busyness of the world and to live in secluded situations and just worship God, just listen to Him, just have devotion to Him. Back then in the the 2nd and 3rd century Christians followed uh, the, the pattern which some Jews had been doing of going out to the desert areas and forming either communities together or just being on their own. That gave rise to the whole monastic movement of monks uh, and nuns But we don't have to cloister ourselves away. We don't have to cut ourselves off from the world in order to be close with Jesus. We can do that in our situation. We can do that in our everyday lives. Like Mary was, just spending time to listen to Jesus. We don't have to retreat away from the world Very often it's we get closer to Jesus and we see his power at work within us. We walk with him more closely when we are in the world helping people, doing things, serving. But serving in a way which is empowered by him, empowered by his spirit. It can lead to a false sense of piety to cut ourselves off. Real Christianity is often worked out in how we do these things not what we do leaving these things putting these things to one side. But Jesus says one thing is necessary to Martha. Not long after I became a Christian I was in a wee church for almost a year and there were lots of people who were very active doing lots of different things. And there was one person who was really active. Whatever was on, he would go to it. Whatever he could join in with, he was there. But after a while, it became clear that all that he was doing was just being active. Energy was what he had, but not spirituality. Sometimes we can think that doing stuff is a sign of being spiritual, But it's not necessarily In the end He burned himself out And he had nothing in reserve He didn't actually have a relationship With the Lord from which What he was doing was grounded upon And he ended up leaving church And I do not know where he was From then on Sometimes when we're seeing People who are very active We need to We need to be discerning we need to be discerning in our own lives. Are we just being busy, like Martha? Or are we, like Mary, taking time to spend time with the Lord at times and then getting out and doing what we're doing? One thing is necessary, Jesus says. Robert Murray McShane, is a, a couple hundred years ago, was credited with having said, What a man is on his knees before God, that he is, and nothing more. Sometimes people look at us and think, they're doing this, they're doing that, wow. But actually, that's nothing to be impressed about. Who we are is what we are on our knees. And there are many people who aren't doing any very impressive things at all before others. But they are on their knees before God And they are an awful lot more close to him Than those who appear to be doing a lot of things for him What a man is on his knees before God That he is And nothing more Martha was trying to impress Mary wasn't She was just Devoted to the Lord There's one thing worth being concerned about, Jesus says. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus defends Mary, and he gently corrects Martha. No matter how many important things there are in our lives, worship of God, our daily devotions, our weekly worship, we ought to do what we can to give them first priority there's times when emergencies will come up and we can't but that's okay it's the general thrust of our lives instead of it being the exception that we find time for the Lord when other things take our attention so much Instead it should be that the Lord has our attention where sometimes there's an exception an emergency comes up, a situation comes up where we can't that day or that week. The good portion that Mary had chosen was not going to be taken away from her. Martha was doing lots of things but as Daryl Bach writes, the disciples should never be too busy to sit at Jesus' feet. We need to rearrange our priorities. People often say, well, I just don't have time to do it. There's always time. What they're saying is, after all the things that I think are important, there isn't enough time to do this thing which isn't that important. It's about importance priorities. Sin is a barrier. It keeps us away from God. how can we come before him we're not even sure there's even a possibility that Martha might not even have been a believer at this point we don't know she might be a believer who has just got the wrong priorities or she might have had to come to that personal point in her life where she trusts in Jesus puts him first and learns and becomes like Mary we have a barrier between us and God that naturally keeps us from him sin is that barrier the sinful nature of our hearts is the predominant barrier that keeps us from God and if we're not a believer yet we have to place our faith in Christ he came, he lived he died his, sh- his blood was shed so that that problem between us and God will be removed and when we place our faith in him We are no longer enemies of God. We have peace with God having been justified by faith. We've been accepted into his family. And so we have access, as the writer of the Hebrew says, into the holy of holies. We have access to the Father through a new and living way. We can come into his presence. We can sit at his feet. As believers having that access, we ought to make the most of it. If we haven't trusted in Jesus, we need to place our faith in him now. If we have trusted in Jesus, we just need to get our priorities straightened. And life will become much simpler. Our priorities will be in the right order. We will have the, the strength and the empowerment of having our devotions strengthening us, preparing us for the day. Stresses that we have will not overpower us. And we will find that we will be walking through our situations with Christ instead of going them on our own and then asking him to come in and sort things out. These words of Jesus apply to both unbeliever and believer. The most important thing that we can do is listen to him as one of his attentive disciples we're not yet a believer, we need to turn to Christ, place our faith in Him. And if we're a believer, we need to keep listening to and following Him. Let's not be too busy. Let's not be like Martha, self-centered, doing our thing, becoming stressed. Let's, as Paul says, I've learned to do all things. In all situations, I've learned that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's be like Martha, Mary. Listen to Jesus. Spend time with him. And we will be blessed. Let's pray.